Hello and peace, everyone. This is Anthony Marinese, host of Eternal Insight. We'll start the show here in a second, but I wanted to take a moment to tell each of you about a new innovation with our broadcast partner, Anchor FM. You can now financially support our show by offering either a dollar, five, or ten dollars a month. These contributions greatly assist us in our efforts to continue transmitting the timelessness of eternal truth. And what's more, at EI, we're big believers in giving back. So many of your contributions will be reinvested with our other charitable partners and beneficiaries. It's all about paying it forward and passing the good along. Please consider enrolling in monthly support of our good works. We'd be so sincerely grateful if you did. Simply visit our radio show page at anchor.fm forward slash eternal insight and click on the support our show button. It's very simple and very quick. From all of us at EI, thank you for listening and for your support. Enough of this for now. Let's start the show, shall we? The best things follow us into eternity. Eternal insight on the Fiat Ministry Network starts now. Here's Anthony Marinese. we say in the south happy fall y'all this is the first episode of eternal insight for fall 2018 and i welcome you all i am anthony marinese your host i want to thank you all who have tuned in via live stream on our partner network the fiat ministry network as well as to all of you who are listening via the anchor fm worldwide radio broadcast platform or via podcast in one form or another i am as as I said at the beginning, Anthony Marinese, I'm a lecturer and research scholar in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Memphis. Every now and then I'll write on occasion. I'm the author of the new book, Cross of a Different Kind, Cancer and Christian Spirituality. That is a field guide for all persons impacted by cancer, whether you've lost a loved one to it or are currently battling cancer, or perhaps you are yourself or know someone who is a cancer survivor. This book is available on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. And all, that is 100% of the proceeds, benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital here in Memphis, Tennessee, the worldwide leader in pediatric cancer research, treatment, and facilities. Simply head over to Amazon if you're interested in this book or know someone who may be. Perhaps you want to give it as a gift. Head over to Amazon, tap in my last name in the search bar there, Marinese, M-A-R-A-N-I-S-E, and it'll be the first one that pops up there because, thankfully, literally, Deo gratias, thanks be to God, it is our bestseller because, again, 100% of the proceeds don't go to me. They go to help the children of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in their fight to live and to accomplish their founder, Danny Thomas's famous mission that no child should die in the dawn of life. I'm a cancer survivor myself, so I and St. Jude want to thank you very much for your support. Those of you who are listening, we want you to engage with us, please. And you can do that via our email address, which is rather long, so I'm going to mention that one time. Or, as you can see, our fantastic producer, Kent Kaholsky, the Fiat Ministry Network, has on our screen at the moment. Or for those of you who are listening or joining us by radio, you can't really see that, so I'll say it here in a second. But nevertheless, I'm going to give you our email address. 
That is eternal insight, P as in Paul, M as in Mary at secretary.net, eternal insight, PM at secretary.net, where you can write in with your own thoughts, comments, grumblings, perhaps, or provide your own eternal insights if you want to. More importantly, though, you can probably get us faster via Twitter. Yes, indeed. I love that social media network. Apparently, so does our president. Nevertheless, I want you to, if you'd like, join us via Twitter at, it's backwards, okay, at insight underscore eternal, at insight underscore eternal. And follow us on Twitter there at insight underscore eternal as well. And also follow our broadcast partner, the Fiat Ministry Network at Fiat Ministry Net. A quick reminder of our mission and ultimately what our show is about. Eternal Insight is all about transmitting timeless truth. At EI, we believe that whatever is authentically good, true, or beautiful points us towards both an awareness and an experience of the truth who is a person. Indeed, he is way, truth, and life. He endures the same yesterday, today, and always. And so therefore, all that is authentically good, true, or beautiful also endures throughout this life and into eternity with the author of truth himself into the next. So at EI, we are ever working to effect a focal change away from whatever is temporary or fleeting and reorient that focus towards what endures forever, most importantly, through whom it endures. And at the beginning of each episode, as those of you who are regulars, listening, watching, wherever you may be throughout the world, you already know this, but we like to begin each show with a quote of the show. And this quote today comes from Jean-Pierre de Cassode, was a French Jesuit priest who wrote an, a, a beautiful book. I mean, in fact, his, his claim to fame is the book that is entitled The Sacrament of the Present Moment. The Sacrament of the Present Moment. And from that beautiful treatise comes this quote from, again, Jean-Pierre de Cassode. He writes, Leave the past to the infinite mercy of God, the future to his good providence. Give the present wholly to his love. I love it, so I'm going to say it again. Leave the past to the infinite mercy of God. That is, know that you are forgiven. The future to his good, good providence. That is, God is going to take care of you. And then give the present, that is, this moment that we are all living through wholly, entirely to his love. Because it is moment by moment that his love is what gives us life. And he did say that he came not that we just may have life, but that we may have life to the fullest. And that is all as a result of his magnificent, unending, relentless love. Our show is a little different tonight, and I'm honestly super excited about it and happy about it. I sound like a teenage girl. I mean, I'm super excited about it. Nevertheless, I, I really am. I'm thrilled about it because tonight I'm bringing on someone that I've known for a long, long, long time. But that's a good thing. 
That is a really, really good thing. I've known this man for, for a very long time. Uh, he is absolutely, without the shadow of a doubt, one of my very best friends. Uh, he very much is a brother in, in my book. Um, and so uh, I'm going to welcome him tonight. But he's not a guest. No, no. He's co-hosting tonight. He and I are going to be just kind of throwing around the chatter tonight and talking about uh, tonight's comments. So without further ado, I want to welcome Mr. David Carney, who's joining us from the Crescent City, the place that I like to call the great city, New Orleans, Louisiana. David, greetings, buddy. How you doing? Dave's. I'm doing just fine. Uh, there you go. There's the audio that we were looking for. Oh, technical difficulties. Technology is great when it works. How are you, buddy? I'm excellent. Excellent on this wonderful evening. And uh, Good. You... Well, great. We're great. Uh, everything's fantastic. I will be in your fantastic city by the week's end, coming down to catch a little football game and bring the girlfriend down there for the first time that she's ever uh, known or seen New Orleans in her entire life. So I'm going give to her, give her a bit of the locals view and uh, hopefully um, you and, and, and Tosh and Callie and I can meet up and have a, have a drink a doodle do or two. If, uh, <laughs> if you have the time, we can do that when we're down there. Uh, hopefully so. But anyway, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Uh, don't want everybody knowing, knowing the plans. Nevertheless, I do thank you for uh, joining me to uh, co-host tonight's show. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a little while. You know, um, we're going to be talking a bit tonight about the the beauty of the present moment and finding and encountering the sacred amidst the profane or finding God in the ordinary moments, aren't we? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And so we've already dispensed with the quote and all of the good things that we need to. So I think it's probably best that we just kind of go ahead and jump right into this. And obviously, you know, Dave's having having known you and been friends with you for quite a while. I'm, I'm sure you can agree that we both have lived a lot of what we're going to be talking about uh, today, uh, namely finding and encountering God in, in just the most mundane or ordinary of moments or activities. And so maybe just out of, out of your thoughts or opinions, what are some of the times or the, the moments maybe wherein you've encountered him in your own life that aren't necessarily earthquaking moments, but are instead those that are, that, that we all are apt to experience. Well, uh, just something that comes to mind is, uh, you know, here in New Orleans, we have the streetcar. If you're familiar with that, Absolutely. Uh, you can buy a ticket for a dollar 25. You can ride from uptown to downtown and you can see 25 different churches on accident. <laughs> yeah. You can walk around and just, you know, just amongst the trees in the Garden District, the big mansions, you'll see this, you know, grand steeple of, you know, a Catholic church. And it's just awe-inspiring, actually. Um, that's just the first thing that comes to mind, uh, just me being in the city here. But, um, and just every little thing uh, throughout the day, uh, you know, I unfortunately uh, go to work a little bit early and uh, get to see the sunrise here. And uh, just driving to work over the Mississippi River and seeing that sunrise, that's uh, pretty awe-inspiring as well. So uh, just the little things I, I try to appreciate in life and uh, just to try to find those little moments 
that brighten anyone's day. I love that you bring up and, and you mention little moments, you know, because it, it just seems, it seems so very much to me, at least like, like everyone is expecting nowadays for God to show up in, in these, these earthquaking miracles, you know, and, and it kind of brings up um, a, a beautiful and, and poignant passage from actually an old Testament book. So this is actually something that that's, um, you know, more contained in, in the Hebrew scriptures, you know, in the, in the Jewish scriptures, actually from the, from the book of Kings, um, God tells Elijah to go wait on a mountaintop and, you know, he wants him to go wait there because God's going to be passing by himself. And as Elijah is waiting, uh, he encounters and experiences, witnesses, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a, a violent storm, a great earthquake, and a raging fire. But he doesn't find God in any of those things. You know, this, this incredible storm that, that literally Scripture tells us was rending the rocks and, and, and the mountains, you know, causing the, the rocks to sort of um, engage into tumult and actually kind of crumble down because the wind and the storm and, the, and just the pounding and the rain was so hard. And then even a great earthquake and then this raging fire. And yet God wasn't in any of those things. But finally, Elijah hears the faintest and gentlest rustling of leaves blown by maybe the, the very slightest breeze. And it's there that he finds God. It's there that he realizes that God was passing by in that, in that shyness, in that stillness, in that incredible gentleness. And so many of us want God in, in these, these great, powerful, earthquake miracles of biblical, literally, proportion we forget, though, that he came to earth in meekness. He, he came to earth as just a, a little baby. What, what, do you, what do you make of these realities, uh, Dave, David, rather? Uh, what, what, are the, what do these realities say to us about how, how we ought to live our own lives? Well, a lot of people, like you pointed on, uh, you know, they expect these grand entrances, you know, you know, God coming down from the heavens and announcing himself or this earthquake or mudslide or what have you and it it really isn't that it's it's all the little things like i mentioned before um you know maybe you know if you're an athlete you're you're struggling to run a race you're really hitting that mental block you know you're really struggling physically and you see that little inspiration you know maybe there's a opposing um competitor you know running right next to you giving you that little encouragement or maybe there's a ethical decision at work and you just need a little bit of push. So you have a coworker that, you know, kind of reminds you, maybe we should do it this way instead of this way. And uh, it's just little moments like that that can that kind of give you that fork in the road and you, you get a little nudge to go one way or the other. And hopefully it's, it's the good way. And uh, it's just uh, try to keep that in mind and pay attention to that. Um, otherwise you're just kind of trodden through your day and trying to look for this big mirror and, you're going to miss all the little things that pass you by. I like it. I like it. I really do. Um, it, it, it kind of, it dovetails onto, you know, an, another sort of note that I kind of wrote down here a little bit, this, this idea that, that because of this, this perceived absence of these, 
these major miracles, you know, um, a lot of people nowadays try to try, I might add, they try to do this. They try to explain God away with the opinion that he doesn't work miracles like, like those that we find in the Bible anymore. You know, the, he hasn't done the pillar of salt thing in a while, you know, I mean, so, so clearly, you know, I mean, how, how can we point to, to the existence of, of God if he's not doing these, these major miracles? Well, how, how are we supposed to respond to that, David? Like, what, what do you think? I mean, because, you know, you've, you've mentioned so eloquently and, and beautifully so far that in so many of these, of these simple activities, whether it's just taking the streetcar to, you know, grab a drink or a cup of coffee or something like that with, with your beloved, or even just driving across you know, uh, the, the beautiful river and seeing the sunrise, you know, you're, you're seeing the handiwork of all creation there, there before you. But, but when, when people are continue to opine, you know, well, we can't point to the existence of God because we don't see these major miracles anymore. And again, I mentioned the pillar of salt thing. Well, what about, you know, the, the parting of the sea or the, you know, uh, um, turning the water into wine, things like that, because we can't, tangibly see these things people are saying well that's evidence against the existence of god how would how do we respond to that or, or why should we well you mentioned uh being that you know that god came with a little breeze like not the fire not the you know loud thunder and lightning it's it was that little breeze that he that he came into you know make his presence known and you know whether we admit it or not we have a sphere of influence on other people as well. And it could be, you know, your students, uh, it could be my coworkers, uh, any alumni groups or social circles that we travel in, um, or random people on the street. Um, someone sitting on the bench, someone walking by, maybe they're in a hurry, they have a lot of things going on. Maybe we can say hi, look up, make eye contact, say hello. Um, we can affect others through our own actions and we can strive to be that positive change and, and just to, you know, how do we want to lead each other? We want to help each other the best we can. And why not see God and everybody else? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, I, especially that, that point that you mentioned about seeing God in everybody else. That um, is, is something that, that I think many of us forget to, acknowledge or or take to heart in fact um in my uh on the honors course that i'm teaching at, at the university of memphis this semester is on religious perspectives in healthcare. and uh just the other day because we are still eh, i mean we're, we're into the semester now but we are for all intents and purposes still at the beginning of that semester it's only the end of of the first month really um and i was i was telling them what i like to do with that class it's a it is a state university so i i can't lead in prayer uh, and I won't, but I will lead in, in guided meditations uh, where, you know, I'll put on uh, a little kind of instrumental music and give people, you know, three to four minutes at the start of the class um, in silence. And what they do with that is, is their own, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing that uh, can, can be sort of, um, you know, hauled up against me or anything like that for that, uh, because those are still acceptable. You know, you can have silent moments or, 
what we might call mindfulness in, in mental health care. Um, and so I was, I was leading this guided meditation the other day and, and I explained, um, you know, very simply after presenting a quote, and again, this is a, a course on religious perspectives in healthcare. And I, I explained that, you know, when we're attending to our, our patients or our clients, whether in physical health care, mental health care, occupational health, anything like this, we are encountering other human beings. And part of the Hippocratic Oath, of course, is this, this first and foremost idea of doing no harm. That is not causing any harm to another sentient or human being, recognizing in another human being that same fundamental humanity that we possess. And so when, when you mention that idea of, of, of finding God, finding the divine in other people, it reminded me of something that I very much wanted to say in this opening meditation, but, but had to sort of hold back a little bit because, uh, you know, I am, I am bound by the, by the, you know, whole, whole, you know, separation of church and state thing at a state university. But I wanted, I wanted to remind um, these individuals in this class that regardless of, of what world religious tradition they practice, whether they're one of the monotheistic faiths, um, Jewish, Christian, or, or Muslim, or whether they're some of the polytheistic faiths, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, indigenous Chinese religions, uh, indigenous African religions, Native American animists, anything like that. Some, sometimes it is important for us to remember, as C.S. Lewis has written numerous times, the great English and, and Christian apologist, that after the Blessed Sacrament itself, our neighbor is the holiest thing we will encounter. And that's very true because we are made in the image and likeness of he that is holiness personified. And so if we're made in the image and likeness of holiness itself, there's so much truth to the, to the wisdom of, of, of the great English writer. You know, after the Blessed Sacrament, we are to each other living reflections of, of God because we are created in his image and likeness. And so that's you know, obviously not something that I could have outrightly said in class, but something that I think almost every Christian physician or, or, or nurse or mental health care practitioner, um, and even people not in the healthcare field, you know, I mean, as a, as a teacher, you know, that's why I go in and, you know, every day, no matter how exhausted I am already with <laughs> the grading, and God knows I'm weighed down by that, but, you know, in, in what you do, um, David, and, and you know what, I'm just now... <laughs> Uh, it's coming to mind that I've I've forgotten to introduce you, so I'm going to do that here, sort of at the outset. I'm going to, uh, you know, I asked for it, and then and then wouldn't you know it, I I forgot it. Uh, that's just about par for the course for today. But nevertheless, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that here at the at the uh, outset, um, or at the outro rather. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your bio. Sorry about that. But even in in your line of work, um, you know, you're you're a, a naval architect, so you're you're reviewing and and testing you know, these things that are built that are, that are meant to serve as vessels to carry and protect other individuals. Think about the logic that goes into our structures. The reason why we have building or boat codes to make sure that they are going to protect the lives of the individuals that are on them is because at the height of our existence is the respect for and the importance of 
each and every individual human life because there's something that is underlying in the sacred there. So I know that was a mouthful and, you know, I'm often accused of, again, a Southern phrase, however crass, I'm often accused of having diarrhea of the mouth. I talk on and on and on sometimes, but that point that you, that you mentioned there about, about seeing and finding God in others, can't, I can't understate that enough. So, you know, there's, there's another little matter here that I wanted to, to kind of bring up for a second um, as, kind of a, as kind of a good illustration for individuals about greeting this concept of, of finding the sacred, finding God in, in the profane or the ordinary activities of life. And it, was, it was a few years ago, Dave, so you might remember this. Uh, do you, you, you remember where I'm going with this, where I came down to New Orleans to, to run in the Crescent City Classic on, on Easter weekend? You remember where I'm going with this? Yeah, that was uh, what, Easter of 2016. Yeah, yeah, you, you, but do you remember where I'm, where I'm leading up to with this? You have, you have any idea where, where I'm going with, with this question? I think so. Okay, all right. Well, let me, let me jog your memory if you don't remember. We remember we went to Bacchanal and we were sitting out there having a couple of a couple of glasses of wine, even though it was Good Friday or whatever. I'd been on the plane traveling all morning, and you know we we often have a have a thing uh, that that David and I have done. Um, you know, whenever we have uh, visited one another on Easter or or just kind of you know been around during Lent or something like that, we really like one of our one of our great devotions. Uh, in the Catholic traditions, Stations of the Cross. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, to do that any Friday during Lent or any Friday throughout the year, really, but especially on, on Good Friday, you know, the, the day that, that the Lord um, was crucified and, and, and died and was buried. And um, I guess kind of in the, in, the, in the prepping for the race that was on Holy Saturday and then kind of just getting there, um, we, like any human beings, are apt to do sort of lost track of time a little bit and, and sort of missed the, the three o'clock hour, which, you know, is a, a, according to tradition, the, the time that um, Christ, you know, breathed his last, bowed his head and, and, and gave up his spirit, usually when you're supposed to do the Stations of the Cross on Good Friday. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned that, that we had missed it and that if that at that particular time, you know, if we would have gone to any particular church, they would have been setting up for the uh, Good Friday service. And I was, I was just, I was feeling really bad about it. And uh, this one over here, David looks at me and he's just like, well, why don't we just say them right now? And I was just like, oh, all right, where are you going with this? And he was like, well, the river's right there. Just walk along the river and we'll, we'll pray the stations of the cross right there. And I was just like, what? this is brilliant. It's a brilliant idea, and I, it really was uh, our own kind of semi-modified stations along the riverfront for about a mile and a half or so. And to this day, that's still one of the most memorable experiences in either spirituality or 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 connective friendship or anything like that that I've ever experienced. I'm interested in maybe what your experience with this was, and then I'll kind of just briefly share some of my opinions about it. Well, you know, that was a very unique experience, um, just, you know, very unconventional, if you will, uh, Stations of the Cross. Uh, we walk along, maybe stop every eighth of a mile and have a station, you know, say a little reflection, um, have a little contemplation, just look around us, take in the surroundings. And we saw many things that 
kind of uh, drew similarities to uh, each of the Stations of the Cross. And so that was very, uh, like I say, eerie, but it was very ironic. Um, it, was very, it was a good blessing for ourselves. And the thing that comes to mind is when we came to the station that was Jesus fell for the first time, and we had stopped next to a bench on the river. Well, across the pathway from the bench we were at was, was a homeless man laying down, taking a nap. And that was just, you know, Jesus falls for the first time. And here we are, you know, across the pathway from this homeless fellow. And it just really uh, kind of brought the stations more to a personal level. And, uh, and there were many other things throughout the journey there. But that's uh, that. That's one that really hit home to me. Absolutely, that that whole idea that that this man, you know, has obviously fallen on some hard times himself, and and you know, we we witness you know that that sort of parallel to that station of of you know Jesus falling, whether it be the first, second, or the third time. Yeah, I mean, that was it was absolutely one of those um, visions of of God himself, visions of, of God in the present moment uh, that couldn't have been better orchestrated than, than as a result of divine providence himself. Um, there were, you know, a, a couple that were memorable for me, uh, two in particular. Um, there's a, an infamous uh, spot, uh, it may very well still, still be there, that were known as the, they're known as the Rice Mill Lofts. Um, in the, uh, the, the Bywater and the, and the New Marini area. And um, there's some sort of Banksy-style graffiti on the top of these lofts that is written, you are beautiful. And I, I merely thought about Jesus meeting the women of Jerusalem, telling them no longer to cry or to weep because it's his sacrifice that is going to make them all beautiful once again, no matter what their, their sins were. Uh, and then of course, you know, um, I, I remember the, where we ended the stations, you know, which uh, would have been more appropriate, I suppose, to, to end in one of New Orleans famous, you know, above ground cities of the dead, perhaps like the, for the entombment, but um, nothing about this particular stations or that particular day was, was normal in any way, and I mean, in the, in the best possible way, but we ended uh, in the French Quarter area, and there's a, there's a gigantic statue uh, there in the French Quarter, particularly the French Market. It's a, it's a monument to St. Joan of Arc, um, and we kind of knelt there for the final time, genuflected rather, um, and at this, at this particular statue, when we're reflecting on the entombment of Jesus in the sepulcher, Jesus being buried, we're, we're there at the base of the statue of one of his great saints, Joan of Arc, and Joan of Arc is the one who said, act, and God will act, and, and so I just couldn't help but realize and remember that, you know, everyone forgets that just because he was sealed in, just because he was placed in the tomb, God did not cease to act in that time. It's, it's him being sealed in, it's him being entombed. And, and when that is occurring, it's, it's him going into the dead there and ransoming all of those who had, who had gone before he had 
ultimately achieved the, the redemptive sacrifice, and he's bringing them over from the state of limbo up into heaven. So, so acting even when, when all seemed hopeless or seemed lost. Act and God will act. And, and that was just sort of that pivotal push, I guess, that, that I know I needed to be able to run in, in the next day's, uh, <laughs> in the next day's 10 K. Uh, that was arduous to say the least. Anyway, well, that's what I've got. Um, Dave's any, any opinions or insights that you have to share or anything like that at this point? Well, we were kind of talking, talking about the, you know, everyday little things type of path there. Um, as you know, daily grace is, you know, an important way to welcome Christ into our own lives and prepare us for the day ahead, you know, whether it be a morning reflection or a little to-do list before we start the day. Of course. Um, are there any specific tips that you've provided in your mentoring or life coaching that you think could be uh, beneficial to help us seek that inner peace? Absolutely. And, and um, you know, David uh, hinges on something um, that, uh, uh, that is one of the services provided through the Eternal Insight Network, which is spiritual direction and um, life coaching. And uh, one of the things that he brings up, this concept of daily grace. Um, obviously, as, as uh, Christians, particularly Catholic believers, we are very much in tune with the theological and not just theological, but the actual reality of, of grace in the world. That is that um, through Christ's one single redemptive action long ago, he's able to still um, bestow upon us the, the unmerited and undeserved gift of his unconditional favor and love. And that is, that is grace itself. And so daily grace um, being that idea that, that we live and move and have our being only as a result of God's choosing through his own free will to bestow upon us the, the, the moment by moment sustenance of life that we need to wake us up every day. Um, and so when we consider this, this idea of daily grace, especially um, in the concept um, and the context of spiritual direction and life coaching, there's, there's two things that I like to do with clientele to sort of not just remind them of this more ethereal or spiritual reality of grace or daily grace, but to sort of put things into perspective. And one of the things that I love to do actually had uh, these, these same learners that I talked about earlier uh, in the religion and healthcare class. I actually had them do this at the beginning of the semester, and we're going to do it again at the end of the semester because I bet them that it would change. And it's called a wellness wheel to take an inventory of what uh, I call pies, physicality, intellectuality, emotionality, and spirituality. Spirituality being the undergirding factor that um, pervades and affects all other facets of our holistic human life and development. And so I like to take what's called a spiritual inventory. And this is also something that um, chaplains do in a hospital or hospice setting where um, in line with, with what research has shown us that spirituality and healthcare practice both and together are benefited directly by each other. Our, our spirituality 
engages constantly with our body in that mind-body connection. Numerous studies have proven that individuals who pray or meditate or who are religiously convicted have lower cortisol, the stress hormone levels. And so therefore, their immune system is not suppressed, but enhanced. They actually heal a bit more effectively and efficiently than, than others. And so one of the things that I like to do in both spiritual direction or life coaching is to take a, a spiritual inventory and an inventory of holistic wellness practices, seeing and pointing out how spirituality can and does affect all other facets of life. And then the second one uh, that I like to do is something that I like to call positive emphasis mapping. And so uh, there's a great current. Uh, it's primarily through its own, its own um, area or division within psychology known as positive psychology, but it's used within sports psychology as well. Uh, and that is to ultimately focus in on a particular frame of suffering. So if we were to, in some way, shape, or form, this is also something that's it's called logotherapy. Viktor Frankl, um, the great Jewish psychiatrist, espoused this in his, his great book, Man's Search for Meaning, that taught about his experiences in the, in the Nazi death camps and how he overcame such an experience. What we do is we would, we would pick or we would take a particular frame of suffering in a person's life, whether that's as a result of a traumatic breakup or after the loss of a loved one. And we would ask them to find something, even if it's the slightest thing, within that particular frame of suffering that we might call a blessing or a benefit. And we ask them to seize in upon that, to look in upon that, and to hold on to that realizing that if they are able to find anything in, in one of the worst times in their life, a frame of suffering that was good or positive or beneficial, they are still providing in themselves what's called a will to meaning or a will to live. And that emanates, of course, from our greatest of strengths, that which comes from, from within and without uh, our spiritual strength. So I... That's that's my two cents on that one. All righty, I, I can definitely use some of those uh, going forward. I, uh, I Write really, them down. Take notes. <laughs> I just did. Took them down. <laughs> did not. I'll come back to you tomorrow with some follow-up. He's going to text me like six hours later when I'm trying to sleep, and he's up at the crack of dawn and be like, what, what were those things that you told me? And I can see it now. Well, that, that was a great answer, and, you know, kind of – moving along the the same lines of you know embracing the present you know kind of learning from the the past anticipating the future you know how can we live in the present you know we we can't change things that have already happened you know we can't right. dwell on that past you know right. i'm an engineer you're a teacher and scholar you know whether you like it or not this is where we are so that's true <laughs> <laughs> great but, i actually am grateful i love what i do yeah, you know, and we can't stress about that future either. We have to, you know, anticipate it and plan for it, but we can't react prematurely to what hasn't happened yet. Because right. that would just get us down in the dumps and, you know, no one likes that. So, like, how do we contrast, you know, that concept of living in the present, you know, with each of us has our own past and our own future ahead of us? So, so you're asking the multi-million dollar question there, there, Dave's, um, those of you listening, I call him Dave sometimes. So 
um, the reason why I say that's the multi-million dollar question is because I mean, what you're, what you're asking is fundamentally at the heart of, of uh, what individuals are concerned about when they're dealing with both depression and anxiety. I mean, I, I deal, I mean, I'm, it's full disclosure. I don't think it's anything that I haven't been forthright about before on, on this show, but um, you know, I suffer from both. I have um, some, some pretty severe anxiety and then I have uh, much less severe, but occasionally mild event related depression. And what's, what's interesting is that, you know, within behavioral health, um, as well as, as spiritual health, anxiety is a looking forward. So it's living, you know, a number of steps into the future and depression is ruminating. It's looking back, it's living in the past. And so when you ask, how do we, how do we keep this, this healthy balance? How do we perhaps find our way through? How do we navigate the sort of contrasting tides between living too far into the future, anxiety, and living too far into the past, depression? Well, I think the, the clear answer is what we've been talking about tonight. It's, it's the, that which is at the heart of our topic is the sacrament of the present moment. And, and again, I echo back to that beautiful quote by um, Jean-Pierre de Cassot, that, that is, to leave our past to the mercy of God, realizing that there is nothing that we can possibly do that is beyond his scope or his forgiveness. And then leaving the future to his good and divine providence. That is, again, realizing, accepting, and acknowledging that he is going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of the things that matter in our lives and the loved ones that we value as well. Before we started the show, I was um, kind of reading through to kind of settle my own I guess, self, not about this show, but just about the events of, of this week already. And it's, 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 if it's very early in the week when we tape these shows, for those of you that are, that are listening today, uh, it's very early in the week. So it's only, only Tuesday, at least when we're taping this and um, already it's been a, it's been a long week. And so I was reading a a beautiful book by um, Father Ron Rollheiser, who's the president of the Oblate School of Theology in San Antonio, Texas. His book is called Wrestling with God, and, and he actually wrote something that's really beautiful. I'm going to kind of share it as kind of a, a, a meditative thought about, about not living too far into the future. He says, all the great world religious traditions, and not the least Christianity, assure us that we are in safer hands on the other side of this world than we are here. And that should leave us with little to fear on this side of the veil, because eventually all graves will be thrown open, indeed all of them emptied, including our own. And so as Oscar Wilde, the great poet and writer, once put it, everything is going to be fine in the end. If it's not fine, then it's not the end. And so And that's actually how he ends the whole book. And I was just, I was thinking to myself, good Lord, this man can write. You know, I, I, I envy him a little bit that, that I don't, that I don't write with that kind of, that, that kind of passion or captivation, but that's, that's true. That is true that 
you know, and I know it's easier said than done. I know it's easier said than done, especially in, in my moments of, of panic attack or depression or anything like that. It's, it's easy to simply say, oh, everything's going to be fine. I hate it when people tell me that and I'm freaking out. Oh, look, calm down, Anthony. Everything's going to be fine. Okay, what's well, easy for you to say? You know, I mean, like, it, it's, it's obvious that that's easy for them to say. You know, but, but I also had a great mentor from, from CBU who would always really push back and he would always do it in, in like my most difficult moments, I guess maybe because he really wanted me to, to think. And he would always say, I know that you know this, but do you believe it? And he would always focus my attention by, by telling me there's a difference in knowing, academically speaking, versus assenting, actually saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to move beyond just the knowledge I'm going to take this on faith. And so while it may seem like a very simplistic answer to kind of roundly answer your question after all of this elaboration, but again, I'm a theologian. We use 20 where four words will do, okay? So I think what it comes down to is existing full of love in hope of good things to come and trusting that is taking on faith that God is always watching out for us. So opining in a unity of those three great theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, never forgetting that it is love that brought us into this world. It is love that moment by moment sustains us and keeps us alive. And it is love that will bring us beyond the shores of this life into our heavenly homeland in the next. That's the best answer that I can provide for, for something like that, at least when the, within the context of a 30 to 40 to almost an hour long show sometimes, depending on our episodes. But, you know, good, good content. We can, we can stand to go a little longer sometimes. Um, I promised everyone that, uh, thanks David, by the way, for those amazing insights and questions that you provided. Um, I promised everyone, because I forgot to do this at the beginning, uh, everybody kind of needs to know about Mr. Carney here, uh, David Lee Carney, J-R. Uh, everybody needs to know about him, and you got his email address right there for those of you that are watching via the live stream. Um, you can find him at dcarney at vt.edu. But David was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, now a resident of the great city of New Orleans. He attended Catholic elementary, middle, and high schools throughout his formative years. And in high school, he was a multi-sport athlete, which included football and wrestling, where he's been a four-time regional champion and a two-time state medalist. He graduated from Virginia Tech in 2013 with a double major, two bachelor's degrees, one in oceanographic engineering and aerospace engineering, and possessed a triple minor in leadership mathematics and naval engineering. So those of you that haven't noticed yet, David is the mathematical and scientific mind within this friendship, brotherhood, whatever you want to call it, and then I'm the arts and sciences one. He was a member of the Virginia Tech Corps of Cadets, one of the six senior military colleges in the United States, as well as the Virginia Tech Naval ROTC. 
He's currently a structural engineer with responsibilities over design and analysis for the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard. He's been involved in a number of professional societies, including the Society of the American Military Engineering, uh, as well as the Society of Naval Architects and Marine Engineers, the American Society of Naval Engineers, and the American Institute of Aeronautics and uh, Astronautics. He was a member of the Boy Scouts of America, where he earned the rank of Eagle Scout, and uh, he has been an avid participator or competitor, rather, in 5Ks, 10Ks, and he did complete the Blue Ridge Marathon, 26.2 miles in 2013. I'll never forget the verse that pushed him through the finish line. Great St. Paul, the athlete of athletes for Christ. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He has an affection for aviation. He's earned his private pilot's license as well as his remote pilot's license. And last but not least, as if though his impressive resume hasn't dazzled you all enough yet, is an advocate for many community service facets, including young Catholic professionals, a number of local food drives in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, Toys for Tots, Habitat for Humanity, and Engineers Without Borders, because it's not just for doctors anymore. Anyway, that is the biography for our co-host tonight, Mr. David Carney. And uh, I want to, of course, thank him for co-hosting tonight's show. Those of you who are interested can follow or connect with him, of course, through his email address there, dcarney, D as in David, and then Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y at vt.edu if you have any questions, comments for him. Remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Insight underscore Eternal and our broadcast partner, the Fiat Ministry Network at Fiat Ministry Net. Please, please, please tune in next time when we will have as our guest, I believe it's Mr. Matthew Hickson, and he's going to be discussing with us something that is my expertise field as well, intersections of sports, spirituality, and religion. I'm pretty sure he's our guest for the next time. If he's not, y'all don't shoot the messenger. I'm trying to keep a lot together in my mind right now, and sometimes I let things run together. But I think, I think he's going to be our guest, and you'll all love his accent. He is from uh, our neighbor across the pond from Great Britain. He's a fantastic man. Uh, can't wait to do that show. Lastly, maybe you tuned in today looking for even the smallest ray of hope, and we hope that you found at least a little bit of that here. I would encourage you all to be kind to one another and never turn away from those who love or value you. If you find yourself in crisis and not knowing where to turn, I encourage you to text the Confidential Crisis Helpline. Simply send the word hello to 741-741 at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 or 66 days a year, and you'll be able to confidentially chat with a trained mental health counselor who is there to help you in any of your crises. Never doubt, as Pope Benedict XVI, our Pope Emeritus, wrote and said on many occasions that you are wanted, you are loved, and you are necessary. On behalf of our producer, Kent Koholsky and the Fiat Ministry Network, our co-host this evening, David Carney, as well as all of us here at the Eternal Insight Media Group, I'm Anthony Marinese. Be blessed.